Hi everyone, it's Monday night, 9 o'clock. It's time for Use It or Lose It. We're going to be reviewing Super Rugby Week 3. Quite a weekend it was too. Not that, uh, you know, not that much action necessarily amongst the South African teams, but we had some incredible finishes last minute after the Hooter tries. And I can tell you as a betting man, it didn't always go my way. I'm going to introduce you to the, the panel now. I'm going to be chatting with us tonight. And let's start off with Andre. Andre, good to have you back on the show. Uh, it was a cracking weekend of rugby, but I understand you had to divide it with a bit of babysitting duties as well. That's correct. Uh, parenting is very important. And so I missed the the Lions a bit of raw, but I did get the Stormers finish. Right. And let's go over to a resident couch critic. Couch, good to have you on the show. I know you're heading off to Australia soon, though. Well, on holiday. How's it been? How's it, Brent? Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's good to be here. And yes, it'll be my last show for a while. I've, uh, everyone's asking me whether I've packed and everything, but uh, I don't know. I suppose they don't know how a man operates. You know, I'll do I'll do that on Friday evening for my Saturday flight. I'm sure you will. And, and just to confirm, you're not uh, you, you're going over for a for a holiday. But how long are you actually going for? Uh, Brent, uh, just to uh, contrary to popular belief, there I was actually told at work to please not. Uh, not get a, a, a job over there and, and please come back. So and I'm going I'm going for three weeks and uh, spending a week in Sydney and then a couple of days in Brisbane and then over to a mate in Perth for a week and then a bit of cricket at the SCG and back. Excellent. Well, good good and enjoy it. And we'll, we'll miss you on the show. But I mean, I don't see any reason why you can't get up at 4.30 a.m. while you're on holiday and come on the show from Oz. Uh, Brent, I don't think the time's going to be an issue. It's more the, the, the data roaming costs that might be a bit of a problem. Eh? <laughs> you just have to make sure you stay with people with, with Wi-Fi. But excellent, guys. Good to have you on the show. Um, just anybody who is new to the channel, if you haven't subscribed yet, go down below here and hit, hit the subscribe button. We've also got links in the description box to our Good for the Game forum rugby thread. That's for the guys who enjoy their betting. We talk about rugby all through the week. Uh, particularly from the betting angle. And we've also got the Good for the Game newsletter, which comes out on a Friday. But let's get cracking. And, guys, I think let's let's focus more on the South African teams this week and start off potentially with the uh, the Hurricanes up against the Sharks. That was on Saturday morning. And, Couch, I'll start with you on this game. Yeah, the Sharks going in, into this game as underdogs, but I think a lot of us gave them a good chance to win it. In the end, though, they were they were they were blown away. I must tell you, I was at the side of the water polo pool, so I was following scores on my phone. And at one stage, I think I saw seventeen all to the Sharks. And when I when I looked back down at my phone, suddenly they were twelve points behind. What happened there? Uh, seven, 17 all to the Sharks, so Brent. That's that's fantastic. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> I didn't go. know a draw could go in favour of a team, but that sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> listen, I was I, I was saying in the build up to the week that. Um, you know, all the indications were there. The Sharks came off a win and, and the Hurricanes weren't, weren't too impressive and they just done a lot, heck of a lot of travelling. But uh, I was just a bit afraid of those last uh, 10 minutes that the Canes snuck a victory in, in Jaguares country and I thought they'd just, uh, just bore, get off the plane with a little bit more confidence. And, you know, we all know playing a New Zealand team in New Zealand is, is always tough and they can cut you open at, at any time. And, at the end of the day, the Sharks just just uh, ran out of um, squad members, I suppose. You know, things things just didn't go their way. Buta Chamberlain went off early, and they had Noambo, who, by the way, did a heck of a job slotting in there, but he isn't a, you know, a proven fly-off. And they made some strange changes to the front row. I think they lost Thomas to injury and then decided to to start with their bench props to have the combination of, uh, of Skuman there and... Um, 
I don't think that worked out nicely. You know, we didn't get the domination over the Hurricanes, which which they thought they'd get. And as soon as that wasn't there, there was a bit of uh, problems. And, and also the lineout didn't work properly. Now, if you haven't got a, a dominating scrum and you don't have a decent lineout, then it's going to be a heck of a long day at the office for you. And that's that's what it proved to be. And at the end, uh, Ben Lamb uh, powered powered over there a few times, and you know, it wasn't it wasn't pretty towards the end. So Chamberlain, you said he went off early, and I, I understand it wasn't the first twenty. Could you was he on long enough to be able to sort of say how he was going to do it, Flav? Because I know like Henrik Swart, who comes on our Thursday night show, he rates Chamberlain quite quite highly. Yeah, no, not at all. He was he was hardly other. He hardly had a touch. He was off. Uh, or very early, and as I said, I must say, uh, you know, Noamba was was all over the park, and he was busy, and and he did his thing. But I think eventually it, it catches up to you not having not having your first choice first choice available, and especially in terms of how you practice and and get everything together there. I think it was just a bit of a you know some some chaflans the team at the end for for the sharks, and it, it didn't quite uh, quite work out for them. Excellent. I'm just chuckling still at your picking me up on saying that the Sharks, what did the draw? What did I say? The Sharks were, were leading 17 all or something with the draw. It shows you that I am a betting man. I was on the Sharks handicap. As far as I'm concerned, the draw was a win for the Sharks. But anyway, Andre, let's go over to you there. This game, did you manage to catch all of this one? Yeah, no, I got this one early in the morning. Um, I think what I noticed in this game, uh, not uh, going into it, I didn't re- know about all the changes that took place. So, from a spectator's point of view, I, I had a bit of a neutral view. And as you start trolling and checking, okay, the wings are different, the fly-off's different, uh, front row's different, um, then you start seeing whether the Sharks are lacking in depth and experience. Um, if I know there's a lot of talk about Fussy, but he had two relatively inexperienced wings with him. This weekend, and he needed to take take that uh, take that responsibility and take that role in carrying the back three. Um, yeah, the, if any team loses the fluff that early and has to bring on a scrum off who did who did reasonably well, I thought he, he uh, Noamba carried himself quite well. Uh, you get when you've got that many disruptions to at some st- at one stage in the game being seventeen all is actually quite good. I just think the the disruptions and the lack of depth and experience that the Sharks had just wasn't enough to carry them through through against this uh, hurricane side. Um, what I also found interesting was the I've, I've been a ve- I'm not a Sharks fan, but I've been very impressed with their their scouting of their talent, their players coming through their academy and their structures. And uh, Richards and Tyler Paul, Nuhamba, those guys are really impressing me. They, they still make mistakes, uh, Fussy included in that. They, they're still making mistakes, but they've definitely got a great future and they're going to learn from a game like this um, going forward. And they'll, in time, they will learn to, to close out games like this. Right. Brent, um, Brent, 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 just on that, in case in case you missed it as well, that's as as Andre alludes to there, Mapimpu was also off quite quite early, so that was a uh, you know another restructure. They already didn't have uh, Nkosi starting and then losing Mapimpu. So you know, as uh, as Gil says, you you end up having Farsi as a senior player, which which is a bit rough on him. You know, he's he's still uh, still young and exuberant and and still has a few things to learn. So it was definitely a you know, in in the deep end for the Sharks, and and we always say that in the pack, especially they're going to struggle as soon as their depth is tested a bit, and 
yes, it was nice seeing Dylan Richards get a get a bit of a run, but to me, you know, I think they need to move on from Craig Bird, and he, he never makes an impact when he when he comes on. He's he's full of vigor and 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 effort, but he just doesn't have it anymore. And especially to me, his his discipline is is just gone completely. And I think that often often goes with age. And I'd rather go into the you know, into their young depth and, and either try Richardson at at, at Tuka or, or use the other backup Tuka. Um, uh, he's, he's also a talented guy. I can't, can't get onto his name now. But, you know, rather have, have a few of those guys uh, getting a run. That's, that's to me, the way to go and, and rather move on, move on from that. But, yeah, as you said, uh, Tyler Paul as well, he's, he's impressive. And uh, it's, not, it's not something to worry. I, I always said if the Sharks can win two, two out of the four games overseas, they, they would have done well. And, you know, if those two Australian teams coming, I think the Sharks will, will feel um, pretty disappointed if they don't win one of those two. Excellent. Well, welcome. Uh, just someone reminding us that it might be nighttime here in South Africa, but it's morning in New Zealand. The Reverend coming in there in the live chat. So welcome to all the guys who are joining in the live chat as well. Feel free to have your, your say about anything on the show. Um, Couch, anything more to add on the on the Sharks game before we go into what I consider the big local derby of the weekend and it was a real thriller, the Lions against the Stormers? No, Brent, I just think uh, maybe Reverend can uh, add a comment there in terms of uh, you know, how he sees the, the Hurricanes. We've all um, you know written written them off and they've snuck a result against the Jaguars. They've got their first home win now against the Sharks. You know, to me, there's still not a lot to get excited about, and it, it'll be nice to know, you know, what the what the feeling from New Zealand is in, in terms of their chances. To me, it's obviously still the Crusaders and the Chiefs that are a bit of a cut above, and I think um, the Hurricanes are almost in limbo. They're just trying to sneak one of those um, playoff playoff spots. So it'll be interesting to see where the Hurricanes go from here. You know, whether they're going to start falling down or whether they can make a bit of a bit of a run, but. No, nothing, nothing further from the Sharks. As I said, it's not, not, um, not, not uh, the end of the world that loss, and and they'll move on. And especially, I'm hoping to uh, to see them in action in Brisbane. So as long as they save a good performance for that one, then then I'll be happy. Excellent. Well, just had a quick look while you were talking there at the up, updated betting on the New Zealand Conference, and they're basically betting a match race between the Crusaders and uh, and the Hurricanes. I think it's nine to ten evens. And catching gets sort of thirteen to one the Hurricanes, but it'll be interesting to see if anyone has an opinion. I'm, I'm not sure that we should be reading too much into this Hurricanes victory. Normally, when Henrik Swat makes a long-term call to oppose a team, uh, he's normally correct. So, so I won't be jumping onto the onto the Hurricanes just yet. What did you make of the Hurricanes, though, Andre? Do you think? Um, I mean, the fact that they managed to go to Argentina and get the win after that opening defeat to the to the Stormers, they've now come home, beaten a shark side that must have been seen as a potential banana peel. Uh, I guess the way they view it is the only way from here is up. No, I think the the Stormers game was a bit of a wake up call for them. I think they they might have also come on tour and said, "Listen, let's get. We've got two games right at the beginning of the of the tournament. Let's get them out of the way." Um, and they and I think they, they got a bit of a fright when uh, not, and not not scoring a try against the Stormers. So they went back, did their homework, and did a very quick turnaround. So I think they they. I, I didn't. I haven't placed them in the top uh, in the top four in, in my rankings, and but uh, we'll definitely have to relook at them. They, they, I think they're a bit of an enigma because they they play blow hot. They've been blowing hot and cold. They they'll have moments in a game that are just spectacular, and then and then you you have some you have a moment where there's a lapse in concentration, and you're able to score some good tries against them. So. 
I really can't place him at this moment in time. Oh, well, let's go on to the Lions Stormers game, and we also we can touch on any of the other games that caught the eye. I mean, with the big New Zealand derby uh, on the Friday morning as well. But Lions are up against Stormers here, Andre. I know you couldn't watch the whole game, but the Stormers were, if I could say from a betting angle, fairly well backed favourites up to a point, although there were also Lions supporters on this one as well. And this ended up being an absolute cracker when you consider that the Stormers, well, they hadn't conceded a point going into this game. Uh, there were always going to be points in Johannesburg, but the Lions showed that they, they, they can't be written off. No, that's true. Uh, they, the Lions are surprising me as they do every year. Um, but the the Stormers, for me, it was in the game. There were two moment uh, lapses of concentration, and the, uh, I was talking to somebody today, and we actually used in club rugby in the team I played. We we used a, a term called riot. And that would be, we'd, we'd know if, if the captain called right, we'd have 10 minutes now where we'd up the tempo of the game, take it to the opposition. And in that period, we want to walk away with about 10 to 12 points. And I think the Lions in this game hit that right button just at the right time um, and, and scored some good tries and really exposed the, the Stormers structure if you, if, you, if you catch them when they're, not, when they, when they're in their dip during the game. And the defense structure, yes, that Alton's try that I watched on replay now, where he went between the between the the two forwards. That, yes, you, you you could have driven a slow mini through there, and uh, or prop could have ran through there and scored. It was that that gap was so big. So, but it came after I, a long build up that try, if I remember correctly. I mean, they uh, it looked like there was nothing, there was nothing, there was nothing, and I got to say that. I really did enjoy the pace with which Elton Yankees hit the ball when he when he took it there. Yeah, he did. He did. He hit, hit it quite hard. But the, this comes to like why I don't enjoy Lions rugby, and I know a lot of people will disagree with me because they think it's entertaining. The, 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 to me, the Lions live by the sword; they die by the sword. And if you're going to riot and play that up tempo game for ten minutes, you need to ensure you've got the fitness levels and the ability to defend after that 10 minutes when the opposition now have got the ball. And I don't know, I suspect maybe that 10 minutes of rugby where they just ran from everywhere and 60-meter runs and everything that might have caught up with them, resulting in now 10, what's it, was seven minutes that they had to defend their line. Ended up getting a penalty, kicked to the corner, a couple of phases, and then the, uh, then the Storm was scored. And... I just I think the the Lions' way of playing just it, it results in them conceding a lot of tries because after you've tried to run 60, 70 meters with the ball in hand, nine, ten, twelve phases, you've got to you're going to be receiving the ball. You're either going to kick it back or try and run it. And if you lose it, you're going to be stuck in your half. You're going to be puffing and puffing from your your previous ten minutes of phase play. And yeah, to me, it's just it's it's not very bright rugby. And yeah. It's, I know people disagree on that. It was interesting, Couch. I'll bring you in there because it's clear what the Lions were trying to do from the start. They were trying to run the Stormers off their feet. And uh, early on, the Stormers were, were, were up to it. But it did look like a patch in that second half. And an uh, interesting way Andre put it, like call it the right period where they were turning it on. But it, at the same time as they were turning it on, it honestly looked to me at that point like the Stormers were absolutely out on their feet. And I, was, I really thought the Lions had actually timed it to perfection. They'd come with a late run to get the game. 
and then somehow the storm has pulled out what, what what was a pretty miraculous try i think at the at the end of the day there um what, what were your thoughts on that because i thought they, they almost got it right and and yes in the end they lost the game but i'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm a bit of a neutral as you know i'm very much a betting man and i'm wearing my western province shirt here because that's where i was born but but for me I, I do love the way the lions play the game Oh, Brent, I think I, I wrote to my piece that they uh, did the old rope-a-dope there, and I think that's pretty much what the Lions do, you know, week in and week out at at uh, at, at Ellis. You know, they just, uh, I wouldn't say they, they take blows, but they just play up-tempo. They play riot rugby, if you want to call it that, for 80 minutes. That's, there's no 10 minutes to the Lions. They just throw balls to the walls for 80 minutes. And, you know, it, it makes sense that, there's sense to the madness, you know. It's 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 crazy to do it the way they do it, and and I've always felt that, you know, the problem for the Lions is there's no plan B, there's no alternative. It's it's alter skelter, and and that's it. And the approach is almost like we don't care how much you're gonna score, we're gonna score more. So we're not gonna worry too much about being the best defensive team. We we're just gonna score more tries and. You know, luckily for them, and fortunately, and maybe you know that is the whole philosophy of. Um, you know, uh, sways the brain and those guys who, who brought it in that, you know, the 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 Heifeld's going to catch up to you in those last 20 minutes. And then the fact that they did play this expansive game is, is going to work in their favor. So, you know, perhaps kicking to the corners and playing percentages wouldn't wouldn't make them as effective as they are in those last 20. And, you know, as you said, I've, I've, I've often felt to me the most difficult thing to do in running in terms of betting is tennis because a guy like especially Andy Murray or those guys, they look absolutely out. In, in one set and then the next set, it's it's like, what the hell happened? Now, all of a sudden, he's winning at 6-1. And to me, that was what, what happened in, in the Lions game there when I uh, I came back, actually went away and came back like after 15 minutes. I didn't watch the second half. And then I saw uh, it, it transformed from 20. I got and it was 26-15. And all of a sudden, the Lions switched on. And, and I thought, you know, the, the Stormers were absolutely blowing. They were out on their feet. It was, listen, let's just uh, hit them with a knockout. It's, you know, they, they're about to go down. And um, then somehow, you know, they just lifted themselves or, you know, for the last five minutes and, and that move from the halfway line, you know, to just keep the ball alive and just keep it going and eventually score the try was, was fantastic from them. But, you know, you could see they, they were out of it and, even again, we saw it uh, in the Brumbies game. Maybe it wasn't the best idea of the Lions to to take the penalty kick, and they should have hit it into the corner and and try to seal the game, or at least try and keep the game on that end and tell the Stormers, okay, listen, if you want to beat us, you got to run run all the way to the other end. So, uh, as I said, it's it's always a, a a tough gig with the Lions, but I must say, in those last minutes, I actually, you know, I was on the Stormers big time in terms of the betting. And I actually had to take cover there with uh, 20 minutes to go. I just felt like all the momentum was was shifting over, and I took them five to one, and I basically covered my bet. And uh, you know, with, with two minutes to play, I thought I was a bloody genius for for doing that because it, it as you know, it just it just looked like the Stormers had absolutely nothing left in the tank. Couch, just staying with you, and I'll, I'm going to ask Andre the same question. One guy who takes plenty of abuse from the fans is Elton Yankees. Uh, and I'm the first to admit I'm, 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 I've never really been convinced of him as being like uh, the man for the for, for, for the box side. But I thought he was absolutely absolutely superb on on Saturday. What did you make of his performance? Yeah, Brent. Maybe I'll I'll talk about Elton and then uh, Andre can, and then we can just talk about the the Lions in general if you want. So in in terms of Elton, I'm you know I'm 100% with you there. Uh, 
I give him a lot of stick. I, I think he performs really well for the Lions and he's a crucial part of it. But to me, he just doesn't general the game enough, especially a tight, difficult game when, when things aren't going according to plan, especially for his pack. You know, in, in Ackerman's day, it was it was quite easy for Elton at 10. You know, the, the pack was really dominating and he could do his tricks and, and it looked easy. And as soon as he got to the box, he was, he was nowhere. But especially, you know, this past weekend, the, the pack wasn't dominating and... And I think he really took a step up. I think he was listening. He, he needed to show his skill against the, a, a lot of Springboks on the other side, and and he really did. You know, there was there was some really good good rugby from him. You know, a good cross kick chip or kick pass at that nice gap there at the end, and he he was just controlling matters. As I said, I'd still like to see a little bit more strategic kicking from him, but it's it's not part of the Lions' DNA, which is I think a little bit of a concern because. That's the thing you never see see from him is really just dominating it, putting it into corners and and that kind of thing, and and that's the one part that you'd like to see from him. But you know you understand in in this in their game it's it's not going to be there. But uh, he, had a, he had an absolute crack of a match. Andre, just uh, bringing you in there. Uh, I know you're not a Lions fan as such, but had to be a bit impressed with Elton Shirley. No. Um... In the first, I think it was about the first ten minutes of the game. I actually put out a tweet and I said. Like clockwork, Alton will pass to, pass to a pod on his right. And that was like a prediction of things to come during the game. And the game changed and he came into the game a lot more. Um, the, the cross kick for the try, um, or Kassan's try, that was uh, well done. After sustained pressure uh, in, the, in the playing rugby in the right areas, um, that that kick was also it was spot on. So he's he's very he's come a, he's come a long way since the days before Rassi was coach, and you can I think you can see a marked improvement in his game from when Alistair Kutsia left and Rassi took over. I, I just think he got given so much more confidence. From the Springbok coaching structure that gave him direction and, and told him this is where you are, this is where you are, this is where you fit in the setup. And I think the, the Springbok environment that was created allowed him to learn and express himself the way he wants to. And he, he's been able to use that, that 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 he learned with the Lions at this moment in time. Yep. Sorry, Andre. Yeah, the, 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 this game on Saturday, I, like I, re, I missed that 10 minutes of play where he really dictated the, uh, how the game went. And um, the feedback I got from my mates and everything was like he really stepped up. And, you know, as a spectator of the game, as a fan of the game, that's, all, that's the only thing I, I expect from our professional players is to try and play the, the most perfect game. If we still lose... That's okay. As long as we've played to the best of our abilities and uh, we've minimized our mistakes, then as a fan, I'm happy. It's it's when you start making mistakes and you uh, you drop your head and you you're not interested in the game. That's when I've got a problem. But he's he's really turned his rugby around, and my my commentary on him has actually totally subsided because he's he's come to the party on his side. But, uh, I want to say like very professionally. Yeah, he certainly is playing some some great rugby. He looks set for a good season, but let's talk about the Lions quickly, Andre, because uh, obviously now they're off to a slow start to the season. 
If I look at the betting, they're out to 40 to 1 now. For the, that's just for the South African conference, never mind to actually win the tournament. I mean, is there any salvaging the season from the Lions from, based on what what you've heard and what you've seen from them? I mean, is it is it too early to write them off or do you think they can come back into it? No, I, th- I think they, they've got playoff potential. They've definitely, they've got, though they've lost um, senior coaches like Swayze, I think they've still got enough uh, rugby IP in the in the setup, and they've got some good talented players. They they probably second to the, I'd say they second to the Sharks in the in the development of their players coming through. When you look at, uh, when you look at Green and, um, oh now the name is, is, escapes me. The some of the youngsters that they've brought through. Um, and then, they, but what they've what they've got that the Sharks don't have is they've got Andres Kutsia back, and at Super Rugby level, he's a nice, experienced head. He, I thought he also had a reasonably decent game. Uh, you've got Alton, um, so I think they just need to settle on their midfield, and s- somehow they've got to get Similani in there. I don't know what what the story is there, why he hasn't started. If there's Cloak and dagger. Why? Why are they keeping quiet about him? Well, I, I, I don't see the reason why they can't just come out and say this is the issue, this is the problem, so that the fans can understand. Um, I think they, they they're going to need to. I want to come up to a point here, and I saw it. Ian mentioned um, Craig Burden, and I'm going to mention now Yanni Duplessis, and somebody else will mention Mornay Stay. I think the I think the experiment of bringing senior players back at franchise level is at this moment in time is not has not been as successful as it was with uh, Rossi bringing some of the senior players like Franz Stein back into the Springbok squad. So I think they've been trying to use the blueprint blueprint in, in some of the the teams. Um, I think the only one that's really working is probably Jamie Roberts for the Stormers. Yeah, Jamie certainly does. He had a bit of a shaky first half, I thought, for the Stormers, but after that, he sort of came right. I've got to ask you, Couch, I saw you smile as well. Hilton Hassan coming on. Now he's watching on Facebook. The show is streaming live to YouTube and Facebook. Brent doing the show live from his shower with a curtain drawn. Ah, Hilton. Hilton. Just because you're engaged now, mate, don't get overconfident. Eh? <laughs> so, Brent, Brent I must say, I must say I've, I've had a few punts on WSB where I also just wanted to pull the curtain on those. Eh? <laughs> That's it. Hilton, of course, is with WSB based down there in the Western Cape. He's getting married in September. It took him 15 years to pop the question or somewhere around there. Finally, he proposed to poor old Lee, and they are getting married. And I'm pleased to say I'm cracking the nod for that one, mainly because I'm partly responsible for the for the wedding, having put so much pressure on Hilton over the years. I've been Lee's greatest ally there. So looking forward to that. Couch. Are the Lions done and dusted for the season, or is there something still to salvage for them? I mean, we, we've only hit to week three. Ben, I must say it's an it's a interesting uh, point that uh, Andre mentioned there is, you know, it's such a fine line of these, um, you know, experienced veterans coming over. You, you get those um, successful campaigners and, and ideas like Dwayne Vermeulen and Skull Brits were, and, and then you get the, the flops that maybe the guys just come in uh, in, a, in a bit of coin here at... Uh, early pension. I mean, we saw J.P. Peterson come over and we haven't seen anything from him since since he's been back. I don't even know whether he's in the Super Rugby squad. And and pretty much the same from Yanni at, at this early stage. So it's, 
it's a bit of a it's a bit of a coin toss. But then I think someone who, who only one game in looks like he could have been worth uh, his weight in gold is is Willem Albert. And I must say, if he's worth his weight, then it's got to be a heck of a lot because he's a solid bloke. But um, he looked he looked pretty decent there. You know, it was a first touch, but he was solid, and he just it, it just looked like there was this the step up all of a sudden. There's a you know, there's there's a bit of a manier on the field, yeah, and everyone was taking a step back and he hit the ball, carried it up, and you know, there's big hits. Maybe he's not gonna be as fast catching a, a fly off that takes an inside step, but if he does uh, catch you, it's gonna be your last inside step. So um it's it's probably gonna be a good thing having him around and, and when you get a Yaku Krill, you know, he's he's someone who, who hasn't lost that pace and he's got the experience. So you know, those two are going to really help them. And then you've got a, uh, Elton Yankees, who, of course, is, is is the settled man. And I don't know what the situation is on, on Ross Conrea. If he can come back, you know, he's again one of those underrated players in the in the Lions setup where he usually helps to to decide at what tempo they play. And, and he's he's crucial to me. That's that's where they're lacking that um, that nine that really helps, helps Elton out a little bit. But I, uh, I must say... Sorry, I think he, I think he played in the warm-up game. I think you. Okay. He's making his way back, so yeah, that's a good yeah. one. And then, um, just in in terms of, um, oh, what was it? What was I going to say? Now the the Lions in Wait. in general. Oh, what I was going to say is, I was I was a little bit surprised that you know I, I backed them to probably be the the bottom team in in the conference, but after this game and that being against the local Stormers team, you know, twenty minutes in. Um, Steven Kutsov was was taking a break on his haunches there, and and um, Peter Steff the toy, and these are experienced Springboks who who played rugby over there. So just imagine when the Australians and and New Zealanders start coming start coming over. You know, I think the Lions are really going to be able to to give a few of those guys a clap. I mean, we all expected the Reds to to romp away, and that was the Lions team that came came back from um, Argentina. So I still think the Lions are going to be a tough not to crack at home and and that might you know give them enough points to to be uh, in in the running but i think they'll struggle eventually overseas and especially if uh, a bit of their depth starts to be tested so andre just to come to you i'm pleased you raised uh please catch raised willem alberts because i was impressed with him I'm, i must i seriously doubted the lions when they brought willem alberts back i thought surely now the guy still can't do it but my impression when i saw alberts was this is how the lions was using impact player don't ask for yeah. more than 20, 25 hard minutes from him. But in that time, when he's playing against guys who are tired, who've been on the field for a long time, he's going to make you big yards. And I thought the Lions used him perfectly. I mean, I guess, you know, at some stage he may start. But for me, I'd be quite happy if I was the Lions to say, right, Albert, we're getting you fit for 25 minutes a weekend where you just go full stick for the time you're on the field. What do you, what do you think of that? No, uh, you're hitting the nail on the head. That's I've always... I've always believed Willem Albert in South African rugby wasn't necessarily used properly. And I'm not sure if that's because of the, how contracts work and uh, game time works and how much time they're supposed to be playing. But I, when he was in the Springbok setup, I didn't, I never ever thought him as thought of him as a starting uh, blindside flank. I was, I was adamant that he should have been coming off the bench for that last 25, like you said, and really taking it to the teams with, with that that power and that bulk setting up platforms so that we can use use the width and the speed sucking defenders and uh i think as well i think a lot of our players go overseas and mona stain villain albert these guys come back and you can actually see the professionalism in them something that they 
might have not necessarily learned here in South Africa. Uh, if we think back to Percy Montgomery, how he came back and transformed, how he had transformed from when he was playing for Western Province. Um, these guys, they come back and they they proper professionals. They take the game seriously. They and they've got the experience. They've played in different conditions, and and that's what we should be learning from. Uh, and that's what these youngsters should be learning from these seniors that are, that have been brought back. Um, but at the same time, they need to start delivering. And um, yeah, uh, Willem definitely. I think he he shouldn't even worry about playing. 60 minutes he's second half use him in the second half specifically there on the on the high felt i think that's that's going to be it'll be a great uh, that's a great asset to have on the bench bringing off uh, somebody like that to close out a game for you brent, can brent, I, if, brent if I can just, yeah if i could just come in i think you know on the same show i think it was just before the world cup we we talked of judge and and those guys and it was you know, just this the impact that these guys have and are coming back. And I think we, we overemphasize what they do on the field. And especially when, when they aren't necessarily you know, quite in the best shape to, to still perform. I'm, I'm thinking about a guy like Mornay Stein. You know, he was still talking it in fitness, apparently. And it's just maybe that, that touch that isn't isn't there anymore. But just, and I think that's what Skulk Brits brought, brought to a setup, is just, you know, teaching some of these young guys, not necessarily just how to play, but that professional aspect of, you know how to train and and what you should be doing you know behind the scenes maybe not even with uh whoever's your kicking coach but doing that extra yards you know that kind of thing just just those little touches because i think often in this professional era that's that's something that just goes amiss is these uh little pointers and someone who's experienced who's who's got the time and is willing to just give you a little bit of a helping hand and say listen you should be doing this or you should be doing that you know all these youngsters just want to get their range over, pitch up there and, and you know, do their 20 minutes that they have to do and then leave. Whilst I think these other guys who've, who've been there and, and, and gone through it are able to just tell them, listen, this is this is how they do it up there and this is what you need to do to be able to get up there. And I think it, you know, it helps uh, the coaches a lot as well. You know, there's those little things that coaches don't have the time and, and you know, the, the focus on. They're worried about the bigger picture and, and now you got guys like Mornay Stein who can come in there and, and Jamie Roberts at the Stormers. You can just bring that extra little bit, you know, without it being a formal training session, just those little tips and, and, and pointers and people, you know, just, just look at them in terms of how they, you know, how they act and how they carry themselves. And, and that to me is important or just as important as what they can deliver on the field. But obviously it is, it is important, you know, if you think about guys like Yanni and Willem, the Lions have, have lost that experience and they do need them to also also play a role on the pitch. Right, and Couch, anything else on the Super Rugby front catch? I mean, one thing I do want to talk about is the Bulls. Now, they didn't play this weekend, but I happen to see them priced at 75-1 to 1 for the South African Conference. Now, they've lost two away games. They've yet to play at home. Are they being written off prematurely or or, or, do, or do you think it's fair fair comment they got no chance? I see Andre shaking his head so we know he, where he thinks on that one. Brent, at the end, I just want to touch on, on the Islanders and the Brumbies and especially the Aussies. But um, onto the Bulls, yeah, listen, I hear what you're saying and, and I see where you're coming from. It, you know, in this conference, it could end up being a heck of a, you know, lose lose four or five games and, and win the rest and they all could be pretty close. You know, when we saw the Jaguares there, it looked like they'll be the team to take it away and then they slipped up against the Hurricanes. The Sharks looked good and then they lost against the Canes and, 
you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen on the rest of the tour. They lose the rest of the games and all of a sudden, you know, they're not quite as a bright spark as, as everyone thought. The Stormers who, who are three from three and, you know, looking good on the log. So, you know, they've, they've struggled to find their attacking groove. So it's almost like there's there's a reason to write everyone off at the moment and not a heck of a lot of reasons to back them. So, you know, when you get yourself into that situation, you might as well go for someone that looks like a, a little bit of value. But to me, uh, I just haven't seen anything from the Bulls to to excite me. I know they'll probably get to a stage that Marnie Libok starts and, and everything like that. But I don't think one little change is, is going to change everything there. I think... Um, I wouldn't say there's problems in the camp, but I just think it's it's not their season, it's it's not their year, and I'd be I'd be very surprised if if they if they uh, keep themselves in the reckoning come come late in the competition. Andre, you were shaking your head there about the Bulls. No, yeah. uh, I I just think there's just too much ground lost there with um, with the amount of players that they've lost. Uh, that tree is very bare, and I think they've. They just don't have the, the. I don't have an issue with the coaches. I just think the coaches don't have the. They just don't have that X factor that can unlock a game where they will rock up, and go. Okay, this is what we need to do against this team to win. They, they, they set in their ways. This is how we're going to play, and, and and it's not even about having a ga- uh, a, a a plan B. The, they just can't even do plan A properly, and it's when plan when they're doing plan A properly and it's not working, then they need to then they can start uh, looking at other plans and um, I they the, I'm still flabbergasted with the way they played against the Stormers. the The Stormers were giving away smarties in the in their own twenty two, and they didn't take it. Um, they could have been. They could have been nine points up with ten point uh, ten minutes to play, and you know could have maybe at least gotten away with a losing bonus point, and they just didn't take it. So I just the, the rugby IQ there at the moment just isn't good enough for Super Rugby. I also think uh, in in the long term of things, if last year we had the Sharks and the Bulls, I think that they made the playoffs with like a 48, 40, uh, less than a fifty percent win record. So I think we're going to see a couple of sides with the, with this structure of Super Rugby teams with less than a fifty percent win record make the make the playoffs again, and um, maybe that's just what you you need to make sure you get you get you get into get your foot in the door, but I don't see them progressing much uh, progressing past the uh, round robin stages. Brent, um, um, Brent just, just, just on that one, I think. You know where you're coming from is you almost uh, expecting this this big loftus um, aspect and and influence to come in, and I just don't think that that this this young Bulls team is there where they all of a sudden going to win everything at home. You know that that to me is the difference between this one and 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 some of the others is that uh, yeah you know they've they've lost only two games, but it hasn't been there. And I actually think this weekend, strange as it may seem, in in only their third game. I think it's going to be crucial for them to beat the the Blues. You know, they lose their first uh, their first home game against Kiwi opposition. You know, it's it's it fails from there. I mean, then you can already see the tour is going to be a absolute shambles for them, especially the New Zealand games. And you know, it's just to me, it's an absolute must win and and really get give their fans something and tell them, listen, come come back to Loftus because that's when they're at their best when they've got some 
some backing there, but you know, lose 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 to the Blues, and it's going to be a heck of a long season. Well, I'm actually predicting Blues to lead at halftime, Bulls to come and win the game. I mean, I think they're going to do kind of what the Lions did last week, but they might make it stick against the Blue side. But we'll we'll see about that. But Kat, you wanted to comment on a few other New Zealand teams, the Highlanders. Brent, um, Andre uh, mentioned that the two two late scores that, or I think it was before before we came live, uh, two two late scores to to win, or he was last ditch results. But geez, what a crazy weekend to see two tries after the root. I mean, not even penalties, two 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 tries to win it. And uh, you were talking about the halftime, full time. There, I tell you, I've never been as disappointed in the result as that Brumbies um, Brumbies Islanders game. I made the mistake of halfway through looking at. We went for what in Superbrew, and I thought, geez, I'm spot on. Yeah, everyone's gone for the Islanders in my pool. I'm going to be moving up. This is fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I had a bet on the Brumbies as well before the game. So, no, everything was looking 100%. And then, lo and behold, uh, I, I told the guys, you shouldn't have kicked for goal. Kick for the corner. Take up the time. They didn't do it. Then they tried to run down the clock, called uh, Brent Graham's favorite tactic. Running down the clock in the final two minutes, twenty in your own twenty-two, they were under pressure at every single ruck before that, and and geez, they just uh, they just got themselves into trouble. And I mean, that's got to be a devastating, devastating loss. They were they tactically dominated that game. They did exactly what they needed to do in the conditions. They gave away a, a charge down try, which is soft as you can get, especially in in tough conditions where you got to work hard for your points. And then uh, that try at the death. I mean, if I was the Brumbies coach, and I mean, I've I've just lost out on Super Bowl. I haven't lost a, a game where I'm the coach. I would be absolutely livid with that performance. That was uh, apart from my Oka scoring a hat check, which obviously just makes me happy as a as a rule. But apart from that, it was uh, I was uh, I, I literally you know when a guy has to go to the gym to get over a result, you know it has to be bad. <laughs> yeah, look, unbelievable result that I mean. I was on the Brumbies. I actually, my best bet of the weekend was the Brumbies to win by five or more. So when they happened to also, as I said, I was watching water polo. So I looked at my phone, seven, three minutes to go, and I saw they were leading by six points. I thought, well, this should be in the bank. They just have to avoid conceding a try. And then all of a sudden, the WhatsApps were going crazy, and I realized something something <laughs> terrible had happened. But please don't bring up Superbrew, because I had an absolute shocker. I think in the, in the money pool, I'm sitting something like 59th out of 69. I'm already gone. I, I don't see any road back for me. I'm like the Bulls. I'm absolutely, <laughs> absolutely gone. Andre, what did you think of that Highlanders-Brumbies game? No, um, I missed that one, but uh, I got the last 15 minutes of it. And just one thing I've taken over the last year, a lot of fans, they just want to see trials and they want to see running rugby because they want entertainment. And... and I caught a couple of tweets going out and a lot of people complaining about the, the Brumbies tactics and uh, resorting to a mall to score a try. But, you know, if, if, you don't, if you don't perfect all the skills of rugby, you're going to come up into a game where you're going to have terrible weather and you've got to, you've got to need, you need the skills to, to close out the game and to win the game. Uh, we spoke about Leinster putting one over the Cheetahs in terrible weather, but look at that score. Um, they, they've learned to play in weather like that. And um, when they come here and they get some dry fields, they can uh, they can um, show their, their other skills of running rugby and and their, their dry weather skills. And I just think we, as fans, are too quick to, 
right off the the close combat stuff like malls and the importance of a scrum in wet weather, the importance of good lineouts in the right areas of the field, um, the perfection of a good tactical kick. And so that's what I took from that last 15 minutes where certain things didn't, weren't executed properly and they allowed the Highlanders back into the game. And coach, Wait, uh, just just uh, quickly on that, what I just want to add uh, before I talk about the Aussies in general as well is, you know, it's one thing to say running rugby and and I suppose you know it's like saying do you like to watch the the Lions perform where it's just throwing the ball through the hands, but at the same time you watch the Argentines playing in in um, Buenos Aires and every time they kick to the corner, those Oaks are going boss. They think it's time. It's going to be Creevy getting over the line. It's going to be Julian Montoya. It's it's you know they get psyched up about it. It's yes, it's it's a rolling ball try. But as Andre said, there's a lot of tactics and and you know mechanisms to get in place to make sure it's a, it's a good one. You know, if it was easy and like throwing darts, then then anyone would have been doing it. You know, now you see uh, you know the Brumbies not kicking for the corner, other guys not kicking, Stormers maybe not kicking for the corner because they don't feel like it's a hundred percent option. But to to the Jaguars and and yeah. Okay, the Brumbies, apart from that example, you know, 90% of the time they, they feel like they're going to be able to score. So to them, it's it's the try, try scoring move. It's like pick, going for the scrum or, you know, setting setting a move. The, the crowd gets excited and everyone gets into it and, and they're looking forward to a try, whether it's from a, a skip move and an inside run or whether it's from a rolling mall, you know, a try is a try and, and, and everyone gets behind it. And to me, that's the, the nice part about when, when they do it well. And then uh, just just onto that, what I wanted to say about the thing in general, though, is that the Islanders, who are arguably going to be, you know, the worst team in the New Zealand conference, going over there playing playing the Brumbies in Canberra, and and the Brumbies, you know, before that game was seen as as the leading Australian team, and you know, even after that game, you've got to say that that the Brumbies, in terms of what they have and their structure and how they play the game. Are, are probably the most complete Australian team. You know, the Rebels have struggled, the Waratahs are nowhere, and the Reds are a young team. So to, to think that that was the best the Australian conference has to offer against probably the worst that the New Zealand conference has to offer, and, and they're losing a home game. It, you know, there's there's something wrong with Super Rugby when that happens. You know, don't get me wrong, I, I love Super Rugby. It's, to me, it's the best kind of rugby, and New Zealand derbies are great, and us playing them. But there's really something... You know, internally sick about Australian rugby that that you know somebody somebody needs to sort out because it's it's really going the wrong way. Excellent. Well, that's my little comment up there. We won't go into detail now, but I cannot handle all these rolling balls. I don't mind the rolling ball, but I think actually I, th I think you know the referee's interpretation of how the defence is is bringing it up to me. It's so inconsistent, and for me, I would like to see defending teams being given the benefit. Let the defending team take the bloody legs out and bring it down, you know. I cannot handle the fact that you, you're five or six players away from the ball and, and there's no legal way to get to it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But we won't hop on about, about that one now. Uh, Andre, any other super rugby comments for yourself? You know, two things. One, the Crusaders defend them all very well, legally. Yes. Um, however, one thing I picked up this weekend... The Hurricane scored three tries around the rush defense against the Sharks. Two of them came from cross kicks, and then the one they they were winning, a, they had the momentum in the first half, and they had put in put in quite a lot of 
uh, they were putting a lot of pressure on the, the Sharks and the Sharks shot up. Uh, Fassi was unfortunately out of position, left West Horsen open to score. And then there were the two cross kicks where the, uh, I think Fassi and uh, Tambay both went for the to catch the ball. They missed it. Lal Mape scored the one, Pat Lamb scored the other. And then, then Fassi didn't kick out and then quick two quick passes and then Lamb went down the middle of the field. Then the Lions got around the, the rush defense also with Alton Yanchi's, uh, his, his cross kick. So that's I'm sure Rassi and the Jacques Nidaba and the boys will be looking at that because the teams have now had time to to work out how to get around this rush defense. And I think we uh, I'd like I'm, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be following how this um, plays out with South African teams adopting the rush defense and how in the end we will um, uh, what the if more tries will be scored through these kick passes. Right, guys. I want to bring up a tweet that I saw earlier. I just thought it was quite interesting. Reverend, who was on the show, they actually uh, tagged me in it to say, uh, and a couple of other guys to say, "What do you make of this?" It's a tweet from Green and Gold, which is an Australian account. Super Rugby home team refs penalty awarded differential since 2017. I can't believe people actually keep these stats. But he reckons Australia plus 16, New Zealand minus 15, which I think implies that the visiting team gets more penalties. South Africa plus 159. And Argentina plus nineteen. Couch, I don't expect you to analyze this now, but what do you make of this? Does, does it surprise you? Would you like to see a bit more detail as to how this uh, stat was arrived at? Yeah, I think I think we need to audit that firstly. But uh, secondly, I, I think I, I presume we've got a lot more, you know, home home refs uh, refereeing our games. I mean, obviously the Argentinian. Okay, it's it's since 2017, but I don't think the Argentinians really ref their own games as much. You know, I think this this weekend was the first time this season, uh, the past times it it wasn't the the Argentinian ref. So I think it just happens that uh, I don't know, maybe paper doesn't like traveling or something. So obviously they they do it a lot, but I must say this weekend I was a little bit uh, concerned about those RGs that were in charge there in in Buenos Aires. Uh, that that looked. Uh, it looked slightly dodgy to me, and uh, the the communication from the TV ref there was, um, yeah, that that was a bit uh, air raising. So I wouldn't really uh, advise them to do that that too often because it, it does look a little bit like a, a hometown umpire's decision, like we get uh, in on the cricket field. But um, no, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about that. Obviously, they can say the South Africans get the advantage, but we can just say we just. Uh, happened to get the proper refs because we got the best ones around because i mean those aussies are they're not great eh? <laughs> they certainly not andre any comment from you from you on that before we wrap up uh, I, I think this is uh, it's just it's superficial uh, there's just so much missing uh, missing from this and i think in australia there's more important things that they should need to be worrying about than if a ref's giving them pe penalty or giving us more penalties uh, there's yeah, we, we can give. We I can go just looking at those stats already. You know, it, it, we've been complaining about French refs forever and a day. And listening to the, the some of the podcasts coming from up north, all of a sudden now the French refs are useless refing the Pro 14 and Six Nations. They don't know what's going on at the ruck. They don't know what's going on at scrum time. But South Africans have been complaining about this since 2013, and so. But what I take from it is each country has a different style of rugby. 
and that style of rugby is also controlled by the uh, by the uh, various referees so uh, you're whenever we we play games we, we've got to adapt ourselves to how a ref uh, who, who's the ref how's he going to blow nigel owens blows different to Poitier, uh who blows different to paper so to me it's just it's it's noise in the system because it, it's it's superficial information about something where they should be worrying about fixing their game yeah that's it i certainly need to have more information before i make any solid judgment call on that couch anything to close the show with uh, tonight before you head off to us yeah Brent, i just yeah i just quickly wanted to add uh, maybe uh, maybe you can jump in here as well in in terms of answering it i just want to say firstly that i think um you know the the influence of one one player was seen seen this weekend, and uh, the Crusaders having Richie Moanga back makes makes like a heck of a difference to to their lineup. You know he was doing a little chip chip kick and gather there, and he was slicing through on his own. And his combination with Gudu, you know, that was good for the All Blacks to see. That was that was superb as well. So uh, the only thing I wanted to ask you and and Andre maybe is, do you guys think that uh, Cruden Cruden can get his foot in the door there in terms of? Um, all black selection if he gets things going right because i mean uh, joshua Arne also playing playing at inside center at the moment so maybe there's not quite quite as much cover or do you think the all blacks will be uh feel like they've got enough with dmac also involved and and possibly having the option of moving into 10. Uh, i think uh Bowden, when you've got Bowden barrett coming back you've got richie moanga and then you also got to look to the future you've got joshua Ione. i think you would be really a It'd be a bit of a Stephen Donald call if they really need him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's not that he's not good enough to get back. I think there's just so much depth there in New Zealand, and 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 really, you know, if they, if they have to look at it, you got you know Barrett and Wanga, and 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 someone else are going to bring along is going to be coming along as a you know someone for the future. I don't think they'll go back to Cruden unless there's a situation where you've got a couple of injuries or maybe they want to rest players or whatever. By all means, he might get another cap or two, but I don't see him forcing his way in. What I do see from him is an excellent Super Rugby season. I think he's a great player. I've always enjoyed him. And I think he's going to have an excellent season for the Chiefs. He's going to prove to be one of the buyers of the season. And, uh, yeah, one of the fly-offs who really can can dictate a game. Cool. Kachi, anything else from you, lad? 100%. Andre, from you, uh, anything? I see we avoided the Dan Coles. Tackle. Oh, that's actually a good point. Now, let's chat about that quickly. What did you make of that one? Well, a penalty was given. In, in accordance with uh, the law book, a penalty was given. And I think what a lot of, yes, the, the chat on the social media that was coming out and a lot of uh, the WhatsApp group with screen grabs from people from New Zealand saying, oh, we must get over it. You know what? Ten years ago, we wouldn't have worried about it. But today, we've got framework. World Rugby has put out a framework. They've put out a directive stating that contact to the head is, is, is a no-no. And when you look at the framework that, is, that has been provided, one, he's contravening the laws. Two, his first contact is with the head. And, and when you look at the framework that was given and you look at the mitigating factors that was a red card every day of the week if that was in a world cup game that would have been a red card and he would have been suspended coach what do you think of that one i mean dan coles has got a reputation now certainly among south african supporters as being a little bit dirty 
Um, I didn't really see the incident properly. I only saw a couple of glimpses of it on, on Twitter. And uh, oh, Andrew just popping up and saying that we've just won the Lurie's uh, team of the year. So that, that's good news. But Couch, what did you what did you make of that one? Uh, if if the box won that, it clearly means that Sia was was traveling traveling again. Eh? But um, no, I think I think on that one, you know, he's almost getting to that stage where he's, he's like burden a little bit. I, I feel often when a guy isn't quite as fit and quite quite at his best, then he, he starts to niggle a little bit more. And and I think that's where Dane Coles is at the moment. You know, he's he's rather, you know, he was he was the captain when at at that stage, and to me, he was poor. He was always involved in the scuffles and. And there was that incident as well. And Andre has got it 100%. I mean, the, the referee went on to say that, you know, the, the arm came round and, and things like that. And that's irrelevant. Firstly, it was on the ground, which is, it's it's automatic penalty. And and secondly, you know, it was it was high. So put that two together and, and that's that's at least the card. I mean, it is, it's it's poor that there was nothing. And I mean, it's, it's again, you can't just be harsh in, in World Cup here. You've got to almost be harsher before a World Cup to set the trend and make sure that by the time you get to a World Cup, things are in place. But now we've seen certain calls. I mean, the same. Obviously, there was money involved, but let's not go there. In the in the Brumbies and the Islanders game, is, you know, they, they slowed that down and it was a, a proper shoulder charge. I mean, there wasn't even arms coming around. And I thought, and I think most people did in, in slow-mo, it was a direct shoulder, mm-hmm. shoulder to the head. And uh, that's a red, and it it was almost like the refs. You know, they don't want to spoil a game. They don't want to. They rather, you know, let someone point it out afterwards and and things like that. But you know, from from the World Cup, we know that that is that is solid red. You know, just direct contact to the head, regardless of a shoulder. In this case, there was no wrap or or anything, and it was so. I mean, to me, they just need to get the consistency. And you know, Brent, I've I've always said that I don't mind the. You know, judgment calls and and things like that. You you standing on one side and you miss something, or you know, the, the ref doesn't see the, the game the way the viewers the viewers does. But you need consistency in terms of how the team is used, and you need consistency in terms of how they call it week in and week out. And to me, that's that's a bit lacking at the moment. And they need to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on the consistency. I see. I think one of our New Zealand viewers coming in and saying the tackle was okay. Look, I looked at it. I tend to. I must say, I battle with the new rules. I really do. You know that, I think, Couch. I mean, I look at it often. I see players getting penalised for something which, in my view, they can't control. I mean, I think it was a bit irresponsible of him to come in like that. Uh, just a little bit I've seen on it. Yeah, I, I do think probably something a little bit more was warranted. But I haven't really watched enough of it to say for sure. But I do struggle with the rules a bit. Um, maybe just one other quick thing to chat about before we close off. Cheston Colby playing fly half for his, for, for his top 14 team. Andre, what did you what did you think of that? I see Jared Wright has posted a few pictures of him nailing some kicks and that. I mean, is that a is that a, is that a bad thing or, or, or I mean, a, a good thing? I mean, or is it just a once off? Do you think did they just need him in, in in ten for this game? From from what I could, uh, the information that I could get before the game, it was a it was just a once off because they they've got like three players in the fre- in the French national side that weren't av- available. And then I think the other backup fly was injured, if I remember correctly. So, um, listening to one of the British podcasts today, apparently, Jason, many, many years ago at primary school or first couple of year, uh, years at high school, did play fly off. And uh, the, the game plan was give it to Jason and he'll go and do his thing. But obviously, this is now Pro 14, this is or top 14, it's not uh, schoolboy rugby, but. Uh, 
I think he, he, he he's played enough rugby to know what his his abilities are, and he's kicking at goal. I think we tend to forget everybody. A lot of players tend to go and kick kick the ball a little bit before practice, and I think he would have been given um, a lot of uh, confidence to to go and practice and to uh, an opportunity to practice and to prepare for the game, uh, even if it was at short notice and. I think he's he's proven me wrong, uh, and I and I've been very vocal that I I was wrong about him, and I think he's probably one of the most professional players we've got in the in the country, and the structures at Toulouse just allow him to uh, show his talent, and I think it would be probably just a one-off, and he'll move back, and I think he'll you'll learn so much from that uh, from playing Flav, uh moving back into fullback and wing. Couch, what do you think? I'll, I'll just share my views on it. I mean, yeah, it probably was a once-off, but not a bad thing for South Africa to know that in, in a situation where you may need, uh, you know, you don't have enough fly-off cover on the bench or something like that, that you could you could pull him into the 10 jersey and he's had a bit of experience. No, definitely. It's great for us, you know, give him give him a little bit more time and, and he could he could settle in there when you've got a got an injury and got problems. I mean, it was the same as the the scrum off thing where, where Nick Mallet was convinced you should move the guy to scrum off, which is an absolutely shocking idea to have your best stepper and your you know best impact player there to take a gap at uh, closest to the ball is is not what you want. And it's it's probably the same at fly off, but as you said, it's it's better for the overall development of his game, maybe. But now how much does he need to develop anymore? And I'd I'd like to see him play fullback, but it's not bad to to, to play a game here and there. And I just think he's so ridiculously talented that he can make it anywhere you know it's just um it comes from playing sevens sevens you you get the ball at, at any place on the field and you just gotta uh you know adapt so so to me that's not a big thing but i was quite surprised poor Jared got some comments there where guys are like listen why are you getting excited because he kicks one from the corner it's like there wasn't even wind it's not even rain i've seen this guy do this and that guy do that but i mean to think about the fact that Colby isn't the guy who kicks week in and week out. He has never been relied on in any team that he plays for to, to kick the points, you know, consistently apart from stepping up your there. So the fact that he nailed the kick to say that, you know, listen, he's, he's got that extra skill, uh, it just shows how, you know, incredibly talented it is. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that he can slot into different positions, that he can even take over the kicking it just means he's, he's a multi-talented uh, rugby player and no one's saying he's the best flyer for the best goal kicker or, you know, he can do that as well as Johnny Wilkinson or whoever. It's just to say that, geez, he can do that as well. So, hats off to him. He's a phenomenal player and uh, yeah, what a what a boy kick. Just grateful to have him, I guess. Guys, thanks very much. It brings us to the end of the show tonight, just in time to go and watch Manchester United play. I'm not a United fan by any means, but I think it's what Chelsea Come on against the United tonight. Hey? Go the, oh, blues. <laughs> yeah, the Blues. Andre, thanks very much. Have Thank a good week. And we'll, uh, we'll see you on Twitter. Just a reminder to everybody that the Handicap Rugby Chat That Matters, that's our betting show Thursdays at 9 o'clock. We'll have the panel on there to have a look at all the weekend's fixtures from a betting angle. So don't miss that one. Couch, thanks very much to you as well. And uh, we'll see you when you get back from Oz. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, y'all. Have, have a good one. And thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat. Excellent. Yeah, thanks to all the guys in the live chat. We'll catch you next week, Monday as well, for Use It or Lose It. And uh, as I say, Thursday night for the Handicap Rugby Chat That Matters. Thanks, everyone.